Welcome to the first SDA podcast. We are glad that you have chosen to spend your time listening to this program, and we know that you will be blessed in the process. We pray as you listen to the message today that you will be inspired, empowered, and renewed to have a closer walk with God. All right, and so what we're going to do now, as we get ready to go into God's Word, I want to invite you right there in your home. I know you're at home, and I can't see you. I can't hold you accountable. But I want to encourage you to go ahead and stand to your feet as we get ready to give, uh, make our almost home covenant statement. And what we want to do is we want to just uh, claim some things, declare some things as we get ready to make our transition. And so as you get ready to do that, if you're right there on your phone or your device, do me a favor, be an electronic evangelist. If you're on Facebook, share, uh, just hit that share button so that the message goes as far as it can. Send the, the YouTube link to somebody via text message so that they can go ahead and join in, be an electronic evangelist, a digital disciple as we get ready to make our declaration statement today. So right there in your home or if you're right here in the church let's say it together uh today i make my decision about eternity permanent i consciously choose the eternal over the temporary i select the narrow way and reject the broad road my body may be on earth but my mind is in heaven my loyalty is in heaven my investments are in heaven and my love is for heaven Today I put those things from the past behind and I reach for those things that are ahead. I refuse to quit. I refuse to get tired. I will not be weary, defeated, discouraged, distracted, or deceived. I've got too much to lose and even more to gain. My mind is made up. I won't turn back. I'm clothed with determination. I'm closer than I've ever been. Thank God Almighty that I'm almost home. If there's somebody with you in your house, give them a little fist bump. Let them know you're almost home. Glad to be home. Amen, amen. So do me a favor, saints of God, as you are right there in your Bibles. Let's go in our Bibles to the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to begin reading together at verse number 1. Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to begin together at verse number 1. Colossians the third chapter and we will begin our study together at verse number one i'll be reading from the new king james version of the bible colossians chapter three we're going to begin together at verse number one and this is a very critical word i think it's going to encourage us but i'm going to be honest with you it's going to challenge us uh as we get ready to to maintain or put on a heavenly disposition Colossians chapter 3, we're going to begin together at verse number 1. When you get there, just say amen. Amen. The Apostle Paul speaking to the church says this, and I'm going to ask if my sound man will turn my monitor up just a little bit. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1, the Bible says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. And he says, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Let me read that again. He says, set, saints of God, if y'all are home, look at this. Set your mind on things above and not on the things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ 
who is our life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, and which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are put off. All, you, but now you yourselves are to put off all of these anger and wrath, malice and blasphemy and filthy language out of your mouth. But again, I want to read for emphasis verse number two, where the Bible says, set your mind on things above and not on things of this earth. Today, saints, I want to talk to you for a little while under the subject, my head is somewhere else. My head is somewhere else. Let's pray together. Father, as we look to your word, Lord, I want to ask for permission to join my human weakness to your divine strength. Father, what we need is an extraordinary anointing to preach to these extraordinary times, to help us to lay claim to the extraordinary promise. So Lord, I'm praying once again that in the hearing of the word that faith would be multiplied. And so Lord, I am praying that you would challenge us. I pray that you would convict us and that you would give us direction about who it is and what it is you want us to be and what it is you want us to become. So Lord, once again, would you please hide me in the shadows of the cross that Jesus alone might be seen, that Christ alone would be heard, and at the end of our time together, may Jesus alone be praised. We ask this in the name of him who is altogether lovely. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Let God's people say together, amen. And amen, you, you may be seated uh, there in your home or right here in the house of the Lord. Again, talking under the subject, my head is somewhere else. You know, saints, when evaluating people, what matters most is not their physical location. It's their emotional and mental location. In fact, a person's physical or financial or logistical activities, they just reveal or reflect their mental address. So that when your child comes to you, and says, Monday, I'm dropping out of school. It means that they dropped out of school probably two or three months before that. When your employee comes and they gives you their two-week notice, it means their mind has been on somebody else's job well before you got the letter. In fact, young people, when your boyfriend or girlfriend comes to you and says, I think we should see other people. It's because mentally they're already seeing somebody else. In fact, your ex-wife may have sent you the divorce papers last month, but the fact is that her head has been out of the marriage for probably about two years. In fact, even when people transfer their membership in or out of the church, we may read the, the name on a particular day, but the fact is they've made that decision well before that.
And the fact is that these transition moments just reveal where a person already is. In fact, I've seen this up close and personal in my own life. Uh, you've heard me reference the fact that back in November, my parents relocated here to the Huntsville area. And, and I need you to know, saints, that when you are raising small kids, there is no greater joy than to have the reinforcements of the grandparents close by. In fact, if you if I seem like I'm in a better mood, if my spirit seems lighter, if I seem less irritable, it is because on Saturday night, the kids are at grandma's house. Do I have a witness? And, and I need you to be clear that, that my parents are lifelong Floridians, but once they decided to move, it was interesting watching them undergo the shift of disposition. You see, once they decided on a particular house, it was about four months before they were actually able to move. And what became clear, saints, is that even though they were still living in Florida, their minds were already here in Huntsville. And so for months, they began letting go of their ties to the things in Tallahassee. Even though my dad had a job in Florida, he was already looking for employment in Huntsville. Even though my mom lived in Florida, she was looking for places to shop in Huntsville. Even though they had a barbershop and a salon in Florida, they were researching salons here in Huntsville. In fact, they would ask me to go and check on the house here in Huntsville. And what becomes clear is that even though they were living in another location, their hearts were already in this location. Their zip code was 32304, but their emotional zip code was 35810. Before the interest rate was locked in, they had already claimed this as home. Before they got to closing, they had already claimed this as home. Before they got the keys, they had already claimed it as home. And even though they were physically in one location, their minds were already here. So that when the moving truck came, all it did was bring their bodies where their mind and their investments already were. And see, I need you to know, saints, that this speaks to what Paul is talking about in the book of Colossians. That when it comes down to going to heaven, how many of us know that there has to be a spiritual transition before there is a physical transition? In fact, he says, your mind ought to be set on heavenly things right now. And what I need somebody to understand is that when Jesus Christ comes, my transition is not commencing. When he comes, my transition is just completed. Let me say it again. When Jesus Christ comes, that doesn't begin the transition. It just completes the transition. And I just need to know, is there anybody that can testify that even though you live down here, your head is already somewhere else? There is somebody that has already began a mental and spiritual transition. You can say like Paul, I'm already seated in heaven places. You can say like Peter, I'm a nomad looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. Is there anybody that stopped storing up treasure on earth where thieves break in and steal and where moth and rust dust corrupt? There's somebody that might be able to say your physical address is Huntsville, Atlanta or Orlando but your spiritual address is already in the New Jerusalem. And see, how many of us understand you know that somebody is serious about moving when they decide to forward their mail. 
In other words, when, when they serious, they go ahead and forward their mail to the new address. In other words, they're saying, don't send me nothing here anymore. Go ahead and send it ahead to where I'm going to end up. And can I suggest, saints, that spiritually we need to go ahead and start forwarding our mail to our new address. In other words, don't send me nothing that's going to make me comfortable down here. Go ahead and send it ahead because just in a little while I'm going home. Is there anybody excited to know that this earth is not permanent, but soon and very soon we're going to see the king? Can the church say amen? And so let's go back to the book of Colossians and let's unpack this a little bit further today. Colossians chapter 3. And I'm going to pick it up again at verse number 2. Colossians chapter 2 and 3, 3 and verse number 2. When you get there, let me hear you say amen. Listen to what the, the apostle says to the church. He says, set your mind on things above and not on the things of this earth. Now, I need you to understand, saints, that this text, it teaches us a number of different things. But the first thing it shows us, beloved, is that heaven will not be accidental. Now, now what you, I need us to get that in the book of Colossians, the Apostle Paul is espousing some theologically heavy motifs. And when you look at it on its surface, the language may seem very ethereal and very heady. But I need God's people to know that there are some implications that are going to affect our lives right now in the present. And so the first thing he does is he says, set your mind on things that are above. And what he is doing, saints, is he is challenging us in the level of decision. See, I need you to know that the word set in the Greek is the word phreneo and it literally means to direct. It literally means to regulate. And when he says set your mind on things above, he's letting us know that your minds won't just drift to heavenly things. You've got to give them direction. The implication is intentional choice. Are you hearing me, saints? And I need you to get that this is very critical for us to understand because man's fallen nature is so corrupt. And through access to media, our portals are assailed by such concentrated wickedness that our minds will automatically never drift to heavenly things. Your mind will never just get heavenly through osmosis. The corruption, pollution, and toxicity of this life has to pull us away away from heavenly things. See, I need you to know that everything in this life tries to render heaven obsolete, too far away or unattainable. In other words, saints, you will never just wake up with a yearning for heavenly things. You'll never just wake up with this insatiable desire for spiritual things. You'll never just wake up and automatically your spirituality kicks in. I need you to know that a heavenly disposition is not the result of accident. It is the result of decision. Are y'all with me today, saints? 
And I say this specifically for the benefit of the newly religious or maybe the young people who are watching today's service who are still trying to figure their way around the Christian journey. And the reason that's important, because if you're like me, when I was younger, when I saw really spiritual people, I thought it was because they had access to something that I didn't have access to. I thought that maybe they had a nature or an appetite for things that I just did not have an appetite for. And, and I thought that once I reached a certain age that the flesh and carnal powers would just be weakened or diluted. But I've learned that anyone who is spiritual, they're not spiritual because they have enhanced natures or appetite. At some point, they simply had to make a decision that was against their carnal nature. In other words, they reached that point not by chance, but they got to that point by choice. Are you with me today, saints? And do I have a witness out here in this space that knows that there's just never a time where your spirituality just kicks in against your will? There's not a certain age or a certain amount of years where your flesh just lets you go. In fact, what I'm learning is that the old the older I get, the more entrenched my flesh tries to become. In fact, the more I age, the more my carnal man fights against the designs of my mind. In fact, I need just to tell the truth that the older you get, the more your flesh refuses to be moved in certain areas. I used to think that the older you are, the more spiritual you are. But the truth is, young people, it's easier to be spiritual when you're young as opposed to when you get older. Because, see, the older you get, the more settled you become in some things and you literally become like that dirty dish that's been in the sink three days and that stuff inside the bowl has gotten hard and when you try to move it you're going to have to scrub hard in order to get it out. Am I preaching to anybody today? In fact, I need the young people to know that being spiritual is easier now. So you know how it is when you're young. It's easy to forgive when you're a child. In fact, you know how it is that when kids get mad at each other, they fight in the morning and they're best friends by nightfall. But when you get a little older, your flesh holds on to some stuff. Your flesh keeps a record of those who've done you wrong. Your flesh holds on to offenses. In fact, the truth is that even when it comes down to the vices of life, it's easier to kick stuff like drinking and smoking when you're in your 20s than it is when you get in your 50s. Because once certain things get in ingrained in your flesh you begin to develop a dependence in other words when you're young you smoke and drink to get high but when you're old you smoke and drink to feel normal y'all y'all not here with me today you you know how it is that even as kids we are not born with fears we actually learn our fears and the reason some of us are 40 and 50 and 60 and so anxious is because we've been gathering and collecting after apprehensions our entire lives. Are y'all hearing me today? And I guess what I'm saying today, beloved, is that the difference between an old sinner and a young sinner is a young sinner don't know no better. Old sinners just don't care no more. In other words, what happens is after you've been in the church a little while, if you don't tame your flesh, 
you'll get to a place. See, the new believer, the reason it's hard for them is because their spirit man and their carnal man is in conflict. But what happens after a while in being in church is that your spiritual man and your carnal man form a partnership. In other words, y'all learn how to get along. Y'all begin to function like roommates. In other words, flesh, you stay on your side. Spirit, I'm going to stay on my side. And the reason some of us don't grow is because we've got harmony where there ought to be conflict. But see, my larger point that I want somebody to get is that there is nothing spiritual that happens by accident. In other words, I need you to know in the same way you won't graduate from college by accident. The same way you don't grow wealth by accident. The same way you don't become learned by accident. It's the same way you won't fix your mind on spiritual things by accident. Are y'all with me today, saints? In fact, when you look at the word to set your mind. As I said, it is the Greek word phreneo, which literally means to regulate where it is your thoughts begin to settle. And, and I guess what I'm saying, saints, is that if you regulate what you put inside of your body, if you regulate the type of gas you put in your car, if you regulate your passwords on your account so you don't get hacked, then certainly you ought to regulate where it is that you set your mind. In other words, you've got to be careful where you set your mind because where you set your mind determines where you settle. Okay, let, let me say it again. You know that the word settle, the root of that word is actually that short word set. So wherever I set my mind on is where my fears is going to settle. In other words, saints, you can't set your mind on the evening news. You can't set your mind on, on the disease or all the symptoms. You can't set your mind on the mortgage payment. Don't set your mind on the enemies that mean you harm. In other words, what sense does it make for us to set our minds on the problem? instead of setting our minds on the solution. And God is saying, don't set your mind on the limitations of this world. You've got to set your mind on things above because where you set it is where you're going to settle. Okay, let, let me say it this way. I, I remember like back in the day, Rasheed, me and some of my friends, we was watching that old movie Speed uh, about the bus that's going to explode if, if it gets under 50 miles an hour. And it's a very intense action movie where it's a build and it gets more exciting as the time goes and it got to a point in the movie where it just felt like the hero was not going to win and so one of our friends what they did was they just decided to pause the movie and we were like what in the world are you doing they were just like man it's too scary it's just too exciting I just can't take no more and I was just like how are you going to pause the movie and not see how it's going to end in other words they were ready to just set their minds when things were in a place of defeat. But I said, we can't get no peace unless we watch it all the way to the end. In other words, I need you to know when you set your mind on the things of this earth, it's like pausing the movie where it is. But how many of us know that if you read the whole script, and you know how the story's going to end. And you know who's going to come out on top. You don't get discouraged by how it looks in the moment. You don't pause right here where the bills are unpaid and the sickness is overwhelming and your enemies got the victory. You've got to watch that thing all the way through 
to see how God is going to come through. Are you hearing me today, saints? So, so, so let me say it this way because I want to be clear on something. When we say set your mind on things above, I want to reiterate something. We said the first Sabbath of the month that when I set my mind on heaven, that is not a call to heaven watching, navel gazing idleness. In other words, this is not a call for me to live in a religious bubble completely detached from all of the affairs of this life. In other words, this is not a call for us to get to that place where we're so heavenly minded that we are no, no earthly good. And see, I need you to understand something, saints. You can tell where my head is, not by what I'm watching, but by what my hands are doing. <clears throat> See, see, the problem is, some of us say the problem with y'all laughing is, is that all you do is watch for the second coming. But not that, that's not really the issue. The problem is not that we're watching. The issue is that all we're doing is watching and not working. But see, I need you to know that you can tell where my head is, not just by the posture of where I'm looking, but by what my hands are doing. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? So, so go with me if your Bibles, if you don't mind, to Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 19. You can see my values in this. Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 19. When you get there, let me hear you say amen. Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 19. The Bible says, do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. And so the Bible says to our saints that we ought to store or lay up our treasure in heaven. In where? In heaven. So now I'm one of those brothers that like, man, that don't seem practical to me. I don't really understand what does that mean? How do I store up treasure in heaven? So go with me to Proverbs 19 and verse 17. And I talk about this in the book. Proverbs 19 and verse number 17. The Bible says, He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay back what he has given. Are y'all catching that? Now remember Matthew 25 and verse 40. Jesus says, That which you've done to the least of these, you've done it also unto me. So how do I store treasure in heaven? In other words, is there a drop-off box where angels and Gabriel comes and picks up my stuff and takes it to glory? No, I need you to understand that the poor are God's bank account. Mm. I need you to know that the financially distressed, that's God's vault. And whenever I pour into them, it is counted as on my bank account in heaven. In other words, the way I store up treasure in heaven is not just by sitting here on a mountaintop looking at the sky, waiting on Jesus to come. But the way I store up treasure in heaven is by not just pouring into my wardrobe or into my driveway or into my living room, but when I feed the poor and clothe the naked and visit the imprisoned and show mercy to the disenfranchised. I need you to know that their full belly is God's vault. It is his Fort Knox. It is his storehouse. 
And when I pour into them, it is accounted to my credit in heaven. And the good news is I never grow broke, go broke by pouring into the disenfranchised. Because Matthew 6 says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Are y'all hearing the word of God today? So go back with you, if you don't mind, to, 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 to Colossians chapter 3. And I'm going to look at verse number 3. So the first thing the word is teaching us is that there is nothing that happens by accident. For Colossians chapter 3, uh, and verse number 3. So he says this, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Are y'all catching this, saints? And he says, and when Christ, who is our life, appears then you also will appear with him in glory. So the second thing this word teaches us, beloved, is that there comes a point where you've got to put your life out of reach. It's going to get good here in a minute. So the word says, he says, if, so there's a big if that he starts off the chapter. He says, if you have been raised with Christ, there, there are going to be some things that are going to be the result of you sharing in that resurrection. He says, if you then have died, he says, your life now is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ who is your life appears, then you will appear with him in glory. Now, I know some of you at home may find this a little bit vague and difficult to digest, but now what you've got to see is what Paul is trying to address in the letter to the Colossians. You see, one of the purposes of this epistle is to teach God's people how to maneuver through the agitations of life. In other words, in Colossae, they got a whole bunch of drama going on. The first thing they have is they've got Judaizers that have infiltrated the church and they're trying to get these born-again members to go under old covenant practices even though they're under a better covenant. The second thing that's happening in Colossae is that you've got some that have walked away from Christ and they've gone back to their old life because the promises of God seem too far away. But then the third thing is you've got some that are easily agitated because of what they have had to suffer for the cause of the gospel. And what happens is the saints in this church get easily agitated whenever life gets too hard. And so Paul now brings this thing home. It is all contingent upon the if in verse 1. He says, if you have been raised with Christ, then guess what? You have died. And when he talks about the death, he's talking about a death to your former life, a death to your old way of living. And he says, if you have died, then your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now catch this. He is not describing what has happened. He's describing what should be happening. And so he is saying that if you have been raised with Christ, then your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now I need you to understand, saints, that when he talks about your life being hidden, he's not talking about your physical life. He's not talking about your heartbeat. He's not talking about your pulse. He's not talking about you, your ability to inhale or exhale because your physical life is visible. Are you with me today, saints? In other words, when he's referring to the life, 
He is talking about your inner world. He is talking about your priorities. He's talking about your values. He's talking about your meditations. He's talking about your peace. He's talking about your joy. He is talking about your identity. When he talks about the life that is hidden, he's talking about who you are on the inside. So watch this, saints. He says, when your life is hidden, that word hidden in the Greek is the word crypto, by which we get the word cryptic. Are you still with me? The word crypto does not mean concealed. It means laid up or stored out of reach. It's going to get good in a second. It is a reference to what Jesus just said. In Matthew chapter 6, 19, where he says, don't lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where thieves can steal or where moth and vermin can come in and corrupt it. But you've got to store it up where it's not accessible to the things of this life. So then why then does the apostle say this to the church? Remember, these are people. They were easily persuaded, easily agitated. Colossians 1, he literally says, you're too easily bewitched. What he's trying to help them to understand is this, is the reason your life is so frustrating is because your life is too accessible. So when he says your life, the essence of who you are, your joy, your peace, your identity, the way you've got to do this is you've got to store it out of reach where your enemies can't access it. Okay. In other words, what he's saying, as long as your life is hidden or stored in glory, as long as your life is not connected to earthly things, it can't be accessed by earthly powers. But he says, when your life is centered on the things of this worth, this world, it's accessible to all your enemies. What do you mean, Pastor? If your joy is connected to what you drive, then all I got to do is take away your car. And then guess what? I can take away your joy. If your peace is connected to what you do for a living, all I got to do is take away your position and I can confiscate your peace. If your security is connected to what you have in the bank, all I got to do is touch your money and I can have all of your security. If your sense of identity is connected to someone's approval, all they've got to do is withhold the approval. And guess what? They can have your identity. If your confidence is connected to what you wear, all I got to do is take your wardrobe and guess what? I can take your confidence. But when what brings me joy is heavenly things, when what brings me peace are spiritual things, when I get my identity, when I get my hope, when I get my peace, when I get my strength from things that are above, guess what? There ain't nothing that my enemies can do to take it away because they ain't got no access because it's stored out of their reach. See, see, I understand now, Lewis, why the old folk would say, this joy that I have, the world didn't give it, and the world can't take it.
take it away. See, I need somebody who is watching to understand that if you didn't give it to me, then guess what? You can't take it from me. You're looking at a man whose peace comes from God. My joy comes from God. My sense of worth comes from God. My self-value comes from God. And because you didn't give it to me, you can't take it away. And because all of those things come from God, they are not accessible to my enemies. So guess what, saints? I need you to understand. It doesn't matter what they withhold. It doesn't matter what they withdraw. It doesn't matter what they repossess. It doesn't matter what they break in and steal. It doesn't matter how stingy they are. There is somebody that needs to let the devil know you can have the car. You can have the wardrobe. You can have have the house but you can't have me because my life is hidden with Christ in God are y'all hearing me say see see I need y'all to say y'all realize the major issue with Samson and Delilah it wasn't that he told a secret it was because the issue with Samson is he didn't even know what the source of his strength was and because he didn't know the source of his strength, he became accessible to his enemies. Y'all read Judges 4, 14, 15, and 16. Whenever Samson did something, you realize the Bible always said, and the spirit of the Lord came upon him. So that when he killed the Philistines with a jawbone of a donkey, it wasn't because his hair grew. It was because the spirit of the Lord was upon him. When he tore a lion in half with his hands, it was because the spirit of the Lord was upon him. When he picked up gates by literally their, their pillars, it was because the spirit of the Lord was upon him. And see, the reason the spirit left when he told the secret was simply because Samson had made himself too accessible to his enemies. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? In other words, if he had just told Delilah that God is the joy and the strength of my life there wouldn't have been nothing that she could have done in order to stop him the Philistines could not have come upon him but it was when he conveyed the secret that he made it too accessible to his enemies are y'all hearing me today saints let me say it this way. It's funny because I remember when uh, when our kids was a lot smaller. Uh, you know how it is. Like whatever you have in your hands or playing with, the kids are going to always try to get a hold of that same thing. And so I would always be walking around frustrated because whenever it was time for me to go with my keys, the keys were somewhere in a toy box or underneath the thing. Uh, the kids always had my cell phone. And I would always get upset because when I'm trying to sit down and watch the game, the remote control is somewhere in some obscure place place and so they always would have my keys my phone or the remote control and I remember one day when I couldn't find something I got <clears throat> I got frustrated and I was like Gianna when you see them uh, with my stuff why don't you take it from them why are you always letting them play with my keys and my phone and my remote control they they got a whole room full of toys but you let them play with my keys and my phone and my remote control. When, when you see them with it, why don't you just take it from them? But then she asked me an important question. She says, if you don't want them to have it, why do you keep leaving it where they can reach it? In other words, she says, you ought to put it up high. So even if they see it, they can't reach it. 
because they ain't tall enough to get there. And I'm saying to the church, you mad because they keep taking your peace. They keep taking your joy. They keep taking my uh, tranquility. They keep trying to steal my peace. And the question to you today is why do you keep leaving it where they can have access to it? But if you lay it up in heaven, if your joy is in heaven, and your peace is in heaven, even if they want to get it, they ain't tall enough to grab it because it's stored out of their reach. Are y'all hearing the word today, saints? You got to store it out of their reach when you make your investments in heaven. Can the church say amen? And so the word says, right here in verse number five, look at this. So Paul says, therefore, put to death your members which are on earth. Watch this fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all of these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language and uh, blasphemy and filthy language out of your mouth. Now, I need you to know the third thing this word teaches us is that if we're going to go home, saints, we're going to have to retrain our appetites. Now, I'm glad we rejoiced a few minutes ago. See, see, I couldn't give this point number one or number two because y'all click off and y'all go somewhere. By the time I'm done with this, sermon going to be over. <laughs> We're we, we going to be done by the time you get ready to click. I'm going to be, the appeal music going to be playing. How <laughs> y'all hear me, saints? Now, let me just say this. This is going to be a little tough to hear for a second. Because, see, there, there's a principle I need you to get. That both heaven and hell they are not destinations. They are culminations. See, so let me just say this for some. I need you to understand that heaven is not a destination. It is, it is just a culmination. In other words, I need you to understand what heaven is. Heaven is simply the last stop on the road I'm already traveling. So I need you to know what hell is. Hell is just the last stop on that broad road that somebody's already on. See, so I need you to know that hell is just the place where you've already forwarded your mail. No, Lord, help, help me, Holy Spirit. See, see, I need you to know that hell is not a location. It's just the address where you've already forwarded your mail. So that even sometimes the language we use is improper. We say, oh man, God is going to send them to hell. No, God ain't sending nobody to hell. No, he's made provision for you to have eternal life. Hell is just the last stop on the road that the lost have chosen. And see, even for those who go to heaven, I need you to know that's just the last stop. In other words, we get to a point where the road has run out. There ain't nowhere else to go. Heaven is just the last stop on the journey I'm trying to reach. And see, and that's why Paul says, when my life is hidden with Christ in God, when Christ who is my life appears... Guess what? I appear with him in glory. So that at the second coming, Jesus is just the moving truck that brings my body where my mind already is. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? So this is why, beloved, the word says, you got to put to death. Look at the language, saints. Everything that's in your earthly nature. 
Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, greed, anger, slander, filthy language. And make sure, saints, you understand the purpose. For he says, for this reason, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Now, what I need you to understand, saints, is that Paul is not giving you a list of things that is going to cause you to be lost. What do you mean, pastor? Because you realize that the list is incomplete. There's a whole lot of sins that he left off of this particular list. But I need you to understand that these are not things that are going to cause you to be lost. These are things if they are practiced, they are a reflection of the fact that you might already be lost. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying, saints? In other words, these things are to let you know what streets you're on. These are the road signs that let you know what direction you are heading in. The reason he identifies these things is not to say these things are going to cause you to go to hell. These things are the indication that you need to get off the exit. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? And one of the things he's saying, beloved, is that, oh, this is tough. Our appetites need to be retrained. So, 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 and, and don't hear me too literally on this, but like this month, so as we finish the book Almost Home, and, and we've been talking about heaven in our, in our Bible class at home, I've been talking to my kids specifically the last two weeks about heaven. We've been learning about the New Jerusalem and the details there. And it's crazy, we had the strangest conversation where the kids was just like, well, well daddy, will there be pizza in heaven? <laughs> and I was just like, well, I don't think there's going to be pizza in heaven. And they were like, well, well, will there be cartoons in heaven? And I was just like, well, I don't think they're going to be cartoons in heaven. And they were like, well, can I bring my Nintendo to heaven? And I was like, no, there's not going to be a Nintendo in heaven. And it's crazy because even though they didn't say it, I could see as their minds were processing that heaven became a little less attractive because of what was not going to be permitted. Now, now stay with me, saints, because again, I had a chance to talk to them about what it is that we're going to receive is greater than what it is we're going to be missing out on. But I begin to have the conversation with myself later on, where I had to ask myself, is there anything that has so perverted my appetite in the present that it makes heaven feel less appealing because it's not going to be permitted there? So I need somebody to understand this, because to the person whose appetite is not retrained, heaven will be hell to them. The reason our appetites have to be retrained is because, see, you notice that we only shout on some of the promises of heaven. We only shout on there's going to be no more sickness and no more sorrow and no more pain and no more bills and no more mortgage payment and no more cancer and no more diabetes and no more of going to work and no more sickness and no more blood pressure. It is amazing how we shout on there'll be no more godlessness, but we don't shout on there'll be no more gossip. We, we, we shout on there'll be no more bills, but, but we don't shout on there'll be no more Beyonce. I, I know it's going to get quiet out there. We, we shout on no more negativity, but we don't shout on no more Netflix. I, I'm losing my audience. I, 
we, we shout on no more insulin shots, but we don't shout on no more insecure and Issa Rae. We, we, we shout on no more racism, but we don't shout on no more real housewives. We, we shout on no more cancer, but we don't shout on no more call to duty. We, we shout on no more curse, but we don't shout on no more cursing. We shout on no more sadness, but we don't shout on no more social media. And see, don't, again, don't mishear me because see, as Adventists, we tend to be very behavior centered. But I think the point I need you to get in the principle is this, is that if I hold any practice, if I'm so attached to anything on this earth, that heaven feels less appealing because it won't be there, then maybe I need to evaluate how attached I've become to certain things in this life. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying, saints? See, I, I need y'all to understand something, beloved. That Jesus gives a very chilling kind of reminder. He says, like, when the Son of Man comes, it's going to be like it was in the days of Sodom. And he simply says, remember Lot's wife. It's going to get a little, little tough in here. But y'all remember, remember Lot's wife? Where God literally says, I'm going to send angels to deliver her. I'm sending angels to deliver the righteous out of Sodom. And so they roll up on Lot, his wife, I mean his wife and his children and their, their family say, listen, listen, the city is about to burn. This joint is going down. We got to get on outside of the city. And he says, listen, when we go, I don't even want you to look back. But you remember, these jokers are so tied to the city of Sodom and the lust and the desires of Sodom that they pilling them around, they're pilling around, taking their time, and the angel has to grab them and dragged them on the outside of the city. And the word simply says he told them not to look back. But your girl, Lot's wife, was so attached to the, the, the vice and the sounds and the taste of Sodom that she looked longingly upon Sodom. And the word says she became a pillar of salt. Now I need you to know that this look back into Sodom, it was not a look of curiosity. It wasn't, I just want to see how this is going to happen. In other words, her heart was so attached to Sodom that she couldn't see herself happy outside of it. And I guess what I'm saying is, are we so attached to this life and its vices and its principles that heaven doesn't have the appeal that it should on us because we can't see ourselves happy outside of HBO and Cinemax and our songs and our boo. And if it's got that much of a hold on us, then we need to do some reevaluation about what it is that we are prioritizing, about what it is that is now consisting or comprising of our lives. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? And it's funny, saints, this is the good news. Like, that was hard, but this is good news. See, it's, it's, it's crazy. We shout over no more sickness and no more sorrow, no more pain and no more death. And we should. Because, see, what we do is we shout over everything that brings an end to pain. But we don't shout over the stuff that brings an end to sin. Now, now, why should we rejoice that God is going to bring an end to sin? Because it is only when he makes an end to everything sinful that it guarantees an end to everything painful. 
oh God. It is only when he puts an end to everything that is sinful that there is a guarantee that there is an end to everything that is painful. Because you realize that if God permitted things that were sinful, that heaven would simply be a reduplication of everything painful that we have right down here on the earth. But I rejoice today that Nahum 1.9 says that affliction shall not rise a second time. And when we make the transition, the reason there is no more sickness and no more pain, sorrow, no more pain and no more Kleenex is because God is going to put it into sick sin and everything that could cause the curse to be revived. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? And what I'm saying to us today, beloved, is that we got to get to a place where we, we, uh, we got to retrain some appetites. We, we, I mean, there's some stuff like, well, let me, let me, let me not be afraid to use this word. There ought to be some reformation amongst the people of God. Where, where, where this list of things, where am, am I sowing into my impurity? Am I sowing into fornication? Am I sowing into lust? Am I sowing into slander? Am I sowing into anger? Am I sowing into malice? Or am I sowing into eternal things? See, it's crazy because see, you realize, see, people think that heaven, see, see, we don't see heaven as a culmination. We see it as a cure. See, we think the, pro- the reason there won't be no sin in heaven is because we can't. You know that when we get to heaven, God ain't taking away the power of choice. The reason there won't be any more sin in heaven is because God is getting people whose appetites and minds are already there. And the body is simply going to follow where the investments already are. See, I love how, how Dr. Uh, Rupert Bushner, he talks about how, how you know, the reason God can't let thieves into heaven. Is somebody going to break into your house and steal your golden crown and just be wearing it on the side of his head walking down the golden street? Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? But the reason there won't be any more things that are painful is because God is not permitting anything else that is sinful. And what I'm saying to us, beloved, I'm not saying, see, because y'all, y'all, y'all get all twit, you know, go home, pass it, shut down Netflix, all this stuff. No, that's not what I'm saying. I mean, you know, where the Spirit is leading, be obedient. But what I'm talking about is our attachment. What I'm talking about is have I become conformed and shapen in the image of the things of earth or to the point where I'm losing the imprint or the impress of God in my life? Where, where, man, it's, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I, I can liken it maybe to this. Like, I remember when I first became Adventist, <laughs> you know, we have this wonderful tradition of uh, substitute meat food. And how many of us know you got to retrain? Oh, yeah, all y'all, second generation, y'all. But man, when you, when you first taste some chocolates and you've been eating pork chops, <laughs> that's what it tastes like a tire. Do I have a witness in here? I mean, that, that's, I mean, there is some adjustments. <laughs> but you have to retrain because there, there, there's, there's a time where I didn't have an appetite for certain things. But because my appetites have been retrained, I can't go without some tofu. Can I have a witness in this thing? Our appetites need to be retrained. And it's funny because Paul says, he says, literally, put to death. <laughs> this is not cute. He says, put to death everything that's in your earthly nature. He says, put it to death. Now, again, 
Again, he's not talking about masochism. He's not talking about cutting off members and plucking out eyes and all that kind of stuff. But what, what he's literally talking about is the fact that there's a civil war on the inside of us. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You wake up every day, your spiritual man, that, and that carnal man, that carnal woman said, remind you in some way, I'm still here. Still here. But literally the word says you got to put to death certain things. That, that word in the Greek, death, is, is the word necro. And, and it's crazy because it doesn't literally mean to murder or assassinate. It means to render impotent. It means to weaken. And so the only way, beloved, that I can build my spiritual man while, while, while killing or weakening my, my carnal man is I've got to decide, even though I'm one person, what the diet is going to be. So that my mind is, my life is filled with the word. The songs of Zion, the word of God is feeding one while simultaneously starving the other. And what I'm saying to us, beloved, see the reason we have, see, let me hear, see, this is why spiritual life looks like this. One step forward three steps back. You know what that is? Is because we create our own conflict. Because we try to feed the spiritual man and the carnal man at the same time. In other words, we create the civil war. We entrench both sides. And, and I need us to understand that it's not going to really work. Because see, the reason the enemy wants you to be one step forward, two steps back, two steps forward, three steps back. The reason he wants to keep you in that cycle is because you'll only stay in that cycle so long. Eventually, you'll get tired of the back and forth, the up and down, and before you know it, you'll quit. And God is saying to somebody, you've just got to come to a place because see, the back and forth is going to weary you. That's why he doesn't say tolerate it, your earthly nature. He doesn't say pacify your earthly nature. He says you got to kill it. Because if you don't kill it, it's going to kill you. I know this is this tough word today, saints. But God is calling us to a place where we make it up in our minds and say, okay, I don't want to just focus on a location. I need, I'm closing now. You can play something. I'm, I, you, what I'm focusing on is having a shift in my disposition. I'm, I'm, I'm asking God to retrain my appetite. I'm wanting to get to a place where my focus and my concentration is not so much on the things of this earth, but my mind is set on the things above. I want to get to a place where, where my inner person, who I am, who I am in essence is not accessible to man, but I want to lay it up. I want to store it outside of man's reach. And what I'm saying is, beloved, listen, listen, I don't want you to focus so much on, on, on behavior here. I need you to focus on becoming. I need you to focus on your disposition, who you are. Because who you are is just simply going to be revealed in how you behave. And that's why the call for somebody today is not just say, throw away this, throw away that, and, and discard the other. That, that, that's going to that's be the inevitable result. But what I'm saying is, what the focus has to be is a change of heart. A change of mind. Because see, if you change the behavior, Without changing your mind, guess what? You're just going to pick up the behavior in a week or two or three or four. But you got to let God change your mind. You got to set your mind on things above and not on the things of this earth. 
young brother, young sister, older brother, older sister, if there is anything, any practice that when you think about heaven and you say, man, that ain't going to be there, I'm going to so miss that. You need to rethink. You need to look at how much value is attached there. If heaven seems like it's knocked down a notch in your mind, because this ain't going to be there, that ain't going to be there, you, you, we got to evaluate. We need to reevaluate. Because to a person that does not have retrained appetites, heaven will be hell. We got to start all over again. You see, this thing, saints, I don't know if we realize that. It's so easy to become ensnared in this life. It's so easy to become entangled in this life. It is so very easy to just get caught up to the point where you don't even realize how deep you are in and how far you have gone. And before you know it, you've gone further than you ever said you'd go. You stayed longer than you said you would stay. And you're more ensnared to a point where freedom just feels way too far away. And I need you to understand that even though we tend to kind of focus on, you know, the coming of persecution and the stuff that's going to happen at the end. But I, I need us to understand that, like, you know, the devil, like, you know, he, he doesn't always just attack us with fiery trials. Sometimes it is the stuff that we come into easy that is the most dangerous thing. It's crazy. I remember, uh, and we were talking about this over the holidays. I remember, you know, for our, our family during church, we would... Uh, <laughs> Uh, family gatherings we would we would eat and we would cook uh live crabs and, and i remember you know my aunts they would go and they would put a big pot of water on the stove and it would be boiling and i don't know if you you know some of us may not relate but if you ever seen live crabs and and you get them to that point when they can feel the steam and the heat coming off that water they're gonna crawl back up in that barrel i mean they're gonna fight they're gonna crawl all on top of each other like even if they pour down and they hit that hot water some of them gonna try to jump out of the pot and it's crazy if they get down on the floor you're gonna have a hard time getting them back in and it's crazy because one of the mistakes we made is we tried to put them in boiling hot water, but then we learned something. That they're going to fight hot water. They're going to resist it because the threat is too obvious. So what we said is we're not going to boil the water. We're not going to let them fill the steam. We're just going to put some lukewarm water on the stove. And guess what? They just went in the lukewarm water voluntarily. They didn't even fight against what was lukewarm. They didn't push against what was lukewarm. They just got right down in the lukewarm without any struggle at all. And it's crazy because even when we tried to put the top on lukewarm water, they little claws, they didn't try to crawl out because the water was comfortable. And you know what we did, Shay? We didn't turn it up from zero to broiling just like that. We just turned it up a little bit at a time. From two to three to four. And, and guess what? There ain't no protests. There ain't no fight. Because they're adjusting to the temperature of the water. And by the time it reaches broiling, they ain't got no fight left in them. And I need us to understand, saints, we're fearing fiery persecution. But maybe what the Laodicean church ought to be fearing the most is the lukewarm comforts of this life. I don't see no threat in the movie theater or with the video game cartridge or the CD or in the partner that you're entertaining. It's because the devil, he says, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to make it comfortable for you. And I'm just going to turn it up a little bit at a time and a little bit at a time. And you're not going to even realize it because you're adjusting to it. You get comfortable in it. You settling there. 
And by the time you realize, it's as the old evangelist would say, it's going to be everlasting too late. It'd be much easier for me to just preach heaven and joy and clouds and harps and, and all the easy stuff. But God needed to make somebody uncomfortable today. Somebody needs to rethink how you're living. Somebody needs to reevaluate what you're prioritizing. You need to reevaluate where your investments are. And if there is anything that won't transition from earth to glory that you just feel too attached to, almost like Lot's wife, almost to the point where I don't even want to go, where salvation is intimidating to me because I'm so attached to that. There needs to be a loosing. There needs to be a releasing. There needs to be a turning around. You need to be making it up in your mind today to say, Lord, I need you to help me to set my mind on things above. So today, if you're hearing the word of God and you feel the spirit of God moving upon your heart, there is somebody today, as you, as you listen to what Paul is talking about in lust and impurity and fornication and all that stuff, again, see, don't worry about that stuff. There is an answer to all sin problems. But those things are not necessarily the things that are going to cause you to be lost. Those things that God is pointing out, those things are the indications that you're on the wrong road. And soon and very soon, there ain't going to be no more exits for you to get off of. And so today, my brother, if you're hearing the voice of God, my sister, the Spirit of God is speaking to you. Right now, you need to make it up in your mind to say, we are almost home. I've got too much to lose. And I've got even more to gain. And, and I need you to understand that again, heaven again, it's not a destination. It's a culmination. It's just the last stop on the road you're already heading. But I need you to know that there's a Bible word called repent. It seems like a fancy word, but all it means is to turn around. All you got to do is get on a different road. I need you to know that salvation has been made available to all who simply believe upon him. So today you want to make it up in your mind to say, I want to be born again. I, I want to experience salvation. I want to get on that road where the last stop on that road is heaven. The last road is glory. The last road is eternal life. That's my exit. And if that's you today, you want to make it up in your mind right now, I want you to email me at prayer at bell at firstsdachurch.com prayer at firstsdachurch.com or maybe you're on youtube or maybe you're in facebook and you see a, a link coming up in the comments that says type form you can click on that link right now and, and and make known your decision to be baptized to be rededicated to begin studying the word of god so that you can get on that narrow road that culminates in eternal life so right now you're emailing us at prayer. Don't say tomorrow. Don't say later. See, I need you to know when you say later or see later is just code for never. Later is just code for never. And Satan just wants to make you a little bit more comfortable. And he's going to keep turning up the temperature until it's everlasting too late. We are almost home. But you got to make the decision today to set your mind, to set your mind on things above, to set your mind on things above. So right now, I'm going to get ready to pray. But before I pray, is there anybody who you've already always believed? You've been in church, but, but you're, you're making up some decisions. You're saying, my flesh and my spiritual man, they didn't got too comfortable with each other. We roommates. I let him stay on his side. I stay on my side. Now I'm, I'm going to start to fight back up. I'm going to create the tension again. 
There's somebody who, who is too easily agitated and God has said it's because your joy is connected to things that can be stolen and repossessed and withdrawn and withheld. God is saying to somebody, you got to retrain your appetite. God is saying, I made the provision for you to be saved. But your appetites are saying that, that maybe heaven doesn't have the appeal that it should in your life. So yeah, there should be some revival. There should be some reformation. Sometimes we got to be made uncomfortable so that we can receive our eternal comfort. Right now we're praying. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet. And this a light unto our pathway. Father, I ask in a very special way that you would do some things for all of us, Jesus. Would you help us to realize that a heavenly disposition is not an accident? We got to make a choice to set, to regulate our minds, to fix our minds on eternal things. Help us to stop being, to not be so easily agitated because our inner world is attached to things that can be withheld or re repossessed or taken away where thieves can break in and steal. But help us to store it out of sight where they can't reach it any longer. Help us to put our whole hope and our whole focus upon you, dear God. Lord, I pray today, dear God, that, that you would do a work of helping us to retrain our appetites. I pray that you would do something new on the inside of us so that we have an appetite for the things that are spiritual and a greater disdain, a, oh, Lord, help us to develop a disgust for the things that are current. Help us to retrain the appetites. Help our eyes to be more easily offended. Help our ears to have a greater sensitivity. Lord, help me to not be able to digest certain conversation any longer. Help me, Lord, to, to get to a place where certain things don't have the same appeal that they used to have. Help me to put to death the things of this world so I can be raised with you when you do come. And Lord, this is not something... That is just being preached to the people. Lord, this is the conviction that you started on with me. Let the retraining begin with the shepherd. And Lord, may it be revealed and manifested in the sheep. So Lord, thank you for your word. Would you bless us and keep us. Help us to be obedient until the day you come. We pray it in Jesus' name. Let God's people say together, Amen. We know that you have been blessed for listening to this message. Join us next week for another inspirational message. If you would like more information about the First SBA Church located in Huntsville, Alabama, or have a prayer request, please visit us at www.firstsbachurch.com. Our services are streamed live on Saturday mornings at 11.30 a.m., and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. Central Time. And you're invited to watch these live programs on our website. Until next time, may God richly bless and keep you in His care.